0: Plum Creek, and we are a place where you matter. Our mission here is centered around changed lives, changing lives. We believe this happens through three relationships. Intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. God has something He wants to say specifically to you wherever you are. Our hope is that you will leave encouraged and closer to Him than ever before. We'd love to connect with you online at PlumCreekOnline.com or on social media, where you can see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we have for you and your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through the Give tab on our website or via your mobile device by texting your dollar amount to the number on the screen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy this message. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. All right, we are in week five of a five-week series on the Ten Commandments. Our idea was to uh, power through this time. We did this uh, once before back in 2010 and took a week for every one of the commandments. This time we've been trying to cover uh, two every week, and last week I hit the brakes because I felt like we needed to spend the entire weekend (coughs) uh, dealing with the commandment of adultery and talking about adultery so I've got three to cover today so we're gonna we're gonna cook today and if you're a guest you're here uh, perhaps because of the holiday weekend bear with us this is how we do this only 15% of the population can name more than five. Oh, but not the church that I go to come on here we go ready hands up humor me here uh, we're gonna go through all of the 10 commandments in order ready squint one eye put your thumb up make people disappear that reminds us what No other gods before me. We point high because there's nothing above our God, no idols. What would we use our middle finger to remind us? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Now we're gonna count back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Little guy, it reminds us this. If we honor our mother and father, our days will be long. Perfect, now this is where I need your help. My money's on, believe it or not, the 6 o'clock service. Oh, yeah. They brought it. Ready? Oh, they killed you. They killed you. And there was less than half in the room of what there is now. Good try and everything. 6 o'clock. Make sure you're there sometime. All right. What does that one remind us? Don't kill. This was last week. Our ring finger that reminds us, don't commit adultery. If you were going to steal something, you'd use that long finger don't steal now it gets easy hold your left hand up in front of your face makes an l that reminds us don't make a c don't covet we've got a little quieter there at the end you keep trying we're gonna get there you're probably in the top one percent that can name all 10 in order right you can show off sometime on the fourth of july you bait them and say hey you guys know the 10 commandments maybe just see what happens all right We've learned that these Ten Commandments are found in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20. And most importantly, we've learned, and please listen, this is vital to any time we look at the Ten Commandments to be reminded of this. that We discovered that the Ten Commandments were not given to the nation of Israel as a condition to have a relationship with God. Take a deep breath. Oh, that's great. Stop trying to earn favor with God. It's not about our behavior. He loves you. He loves you before you chose to love him, just like he did with the nation of Israel. Remember, he rescued them out of slavery long before he talked to them about any rules. So what then do we see about these rules? Instead of it being a condition for a relationship with God, they're rather a confirmation of a relationship with him. If there's one thing that you take away from this series, it would be this. God establishes a relationship with a person long before he tells them how to live. I can prove that to you today. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. But God demonstrates his love towards who? All of us. How did he do that? How did he do that? God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, before we chose him, said yes to him, asked for his forgiveness, and he died for you. So before there were any rules, he reached towards us and established a relationship with us. You are in. He loves you. You are the deal to God. So much so that he would send his son to come and die. You're valuable to him. He did not come to make you good. That was never his goal. What he wants you to do is to understand that he loves you relentlessly. And that's where we can put our trust. So he's telling us then how to live not for his sake, but like any good dad would for ours, for ours. That's why he helps us to know how to live. So the first four were about what? Our relationship with God. You're gonna see this some more today. And then the last six are about our relationship with each other, each other. So we've been looking at this together. My main thought this weekend is this. Grab your journey guide, I want you to write it down. This is really kind of the heart behind this series. My behaviors and my thoughts reflect my relationship with God. My behaviors and thoughts reflect my relationship with God. So we've already talked about honoring our parents and focused on not committing adultery. Today we have some work to do. We're going to hit these three, so we're going to jump in. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, Exodus 20, 15, you must not steal. You must not steal. So let me just ask you a question. Signify by raising your hand. How many of you have ever had anything stolen from you? Feels great, doesn't it? Don't you just love that? You're like, oh, Thanks all of it. Thank you for, you know, you feel confused, you feel violated, you're hurt, wondering why in the world someone would do this. Okay, now raise your hand here on this one too. How many have ever stolen anything? A little hesitant there this morning, aren't you? Yeah, we have video cameras. They're paying attention right now. As a matter of fact, isn't it crazy that our culture is so permeated by video cameras? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Here's what I know to be true about this commandment. You're all in 100% when it's your stuff, right? But all of a sudden, we start justifying and jockeying a little bit when it comes to other people's stuff. And so it's important for us to talk about this today. Our society knows how to steal. As a matter of fact, you're oblivious when a car alarm goes off anymore. My daughter, Megan, she worked at Home Depot, and they're very explicit in their training that you're not to chase down thieves, but she saw them all the time. People walk in, grab the cordless drill set that I wish I could have, and walk right out the front door. She's like, hello, hey, I'm right here. They just keep right on going. I have friends that are in the trades and running big businesses, doing stuff down in Denver and like building buildings and stuff. Just part of the cost of doing business is replacing your tools on a pretty regular basis because somebody jacks your tools and walks off with them. Here's what I was thinking today. Who do you think pays because we live in a culture that steals? Do you think uh, Home Depot ups the cost a little bit to cover some of the th- items that get stolen? How about our contractors that just the opportunity to do business requires that you have to buy? Who do you think buying the new tools when that happens? You've got to build that in somewhere. This is just messed up. But this is how our culture lives. The reality is this. Every time we take something that's not ours, what we're saying to God is this. Lord, I know that you told me in your word that you're my provider and my supplier, but I'm gonna do my own thing. I will determine my own destiny. I will forge my own future. I will be my provider and my own supplier. I'm gonna do my own thing, cut my own deal. Thanks anyway. See, we have to be so careful here because we know you don't have to crack a safe Pick a pocket, hold up a bank, or be a thief to steal, do you? It happens in all kinds of ways. As a matter of fact, this week I was thinking about this. So when we talk about stealing, we, this is the eighth commandment. <clears throat> and if you've broken any of the, of the first seven, you broke eight. I was thinking about it this week. If you broke the first commandment, you've stolen from God the honor that only he is due. If you broke the second commandment, you stole from God the worship That only he is due. If you broke the third commandment, you've stolen from God the dignity that he is due. If you broke the fourth commandment, you stole from him a day that belongs to him. If you've broken the fifth commandment, you've stolen from your parents the respect that God requires and demands that we give to them. The 6th commandment. If you broke the 6th commandment, you've stolen either another person's life or another person's reputation because remember we talked about how we can kill with our mouth. And if you've broken the 7th commandment, then you've stolen another person's mate, sexual purity, and stolen from your spouse. And that's something. See the problem is in our culture we have a completely different attitude towards stealing. Every day, there's between 1 and 1.2 million incidences of shoplifting. Every day. So if you do the math, they tell us this, that this adds up to somewhere between $19,000 and $25,000 stolen every minute. That is crazy. Now, I don't know if you do this or not. We have cameras watching our parking lot now. Do you know why? Somebody horked a church trailer. They actually—they've stolen both. Dan found one one time at a at a uh, at a uh, hotel here in town. Someone stole our trailer, and I'm thinking to myself, that's just bad juju, dude. Like you steal from God, you better walk, you better be on high alert because He's coming, right? Reality is, anytime we steal, that's bad juju because God tells us don't be doing that. Don't take stuff that doesn't belong to you. So let me give you a couple of examples that oftentimes get overlooked. Let's just say the clerk or the teller at the bank accidentally gives you a 20 instead of a 10 and you keep it. The Lord provided, right? No, no. That's not the way that works. You fudge on your taxes. You play solitaire on the clock at work. Don't don't work to your full potential. You go to your restaurant and your wife orders the buffet and you get a Coke and you both eat. Yeah, you laugh. We've all seen it or maybe done it, right? Or listen, students, you cheat on a test. There's all kinds of ways for us to steal, but we have to know that God always sees. He always sees. He knows what's going on. He's watching. You can't take anything that doesn't belong to you that God isn't aware of. So I wonder today, are you taking stuff that doesn't belong to you? Very quickly, take a look at this verse. Write it down, Ephesians 4.28. Ephesians 4.28. Paul is challenging us, and he's got this first sentence that's just amazing. He says this. sounds exactly like what mom would say. If you're a thief, what's the second part? There it is. Quit stealing. Now, watch how this works. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. There's no substitute for this. Don't take a shortcut. Work hard. And then you're going to appreciate what you have differently, and you're also going to appreciate what other people have worked hard to have. And then look at number 2. So you work hard, look at the second thing. What do you do? Give generously to others in need. I'm going to talk about that some more in just a second. So again, our main thought is that my behaviors and your behaviors are and our thoughts reflect our relationship with God. How does that play out in our life? Well, we just live different and we don't steal. That's one of the ways. Because that's how God's told us to live. Again, not a condition of a relationship with him, but out of the overflow of a relationship that we have with him, we choose to live different. So let's keep going. Commandment number nine, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. This is talking about lying. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because back at the end of April, we did a series called Necessary Sins. And in that series, I talked about the importance of telling the truth and not lying. So you could hop on our website and if you'll go back to April and take a look at the series Necessary Sins, it was the first weekend in that series that I talked about the importance of telling the truth. But let me just give you just a couple quick details. We have a this is an epidemic in our culture today. Remember, I shared with you that on average women lie three times a day. And women, do you remember or do you remember, ladies, how, how often men lie? Six times a day. This is a problem. This is a problem. It's not okay. We need to be truthful. Multiple places where we lie. We can lie to others. We can lie to God. And we can lie to ourselves. And so the challenge for all of us is to be truth tellers because the truth, what does it do? It sets us free. It sets us free. Again, main thought today, my behaviors and thoughts reflect my relationship with God. How does this play out in our life? We tell the truth. We don't lie. That's a reflection of our relationship with God. People will see Jesus in us. And trust me, if you don't steal and don't lie, you're going to stand out in our world. That's crazy, but it's true. So this will show people that we have a relationship with him. So now hold your hand up, make a C in front of you. What does that last one remind us? Don't covet. What is that all about? Let's move to this last commandment because this is a tough one. This is, um, you know, I love, I believe with all of my heart that God started where he needed to start on purpose and he ends where he wanted to end on purpose with this list. And so we talked about the importance of our relationship with God. And now this one has little pieces that um, will imp- impact and affect our lives up and down the line if we're not careful. <clears throat> and so when he talks about this coveting thing, it's an interesting one because it's right here. Well, you can't tell, but the person next to you right now might be, might be violating this commandment. Because it happens in our minds and in our hearts. What does it mean to covet? It stands out because this really, this is one that just means to strongly desire something. So look how God challenges us in Exodus 20, 17. This is how he said it. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Have any of you ever coveted an ox? By the way, I was just... (laughs) How many of you ever coveted a car, though? Oh, sure. Of course. See, this one's tricky, guys. It's tricky. And I would venture to guess that every single one of us have coveted something probably last week. Highly likely. To strongly desire. It means to lust after something. To want something so bad that you can't stop. Thinking about it. So we can lust after things that really then begin to affect our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. This is kind of a next level thing. God's saying, listen, it's not just about what you do, but it's also how you think. It's how you think. So it was 1965. The song literally came to guitarist Keith Richards in the middle of the night, and he woke up and he recorded it on a cassette tape player. If you don't know what that is, you need to talk to your parents later. Remember? High-speed dubbing. (laughs) Made your own mixtape, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, the good old days. Three weeks later, the Rolling Stones recorded that song, and it became their number one hit both in the U.K. and in the United States. It became their launching pad to fame. Rolling Stone magazine, as a matter of fact, once wrote that it was number two on the top list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. So those guys communicated that while they were writing this song, they said that at the time it just expressed their frustration with the consumerism and commercialism that he found in the United States. I can't get no, yeah, that's a pretty good inflection there. Sounds like you might know it. That song could actually be kind of the mantra song of our culture, don't you think? Because we chase around trying to be satisfied, chasing after things all the time. And sometimes it's by looking at what someone else has and we think, gosh, I'll be happy if I get that. And so we run hard after stuff that we think is going to satisfy us, only to find that it's horribly going to fall short. Things can't satisfy us. In 52 years, nothing's changed. Maybe it's even worse. You see, the problem with coveting begins when you are dissatisfied with what you have And then you begin to compare yourself to other people. And then it moves to jealousy of what others have. And then you become obsessed. You want want what they have, and then you just kind of sell out and do whatever it takes to have it as well. And this is a disease. It's a disease of the soul. It's going to impact your relationships, your marriage, your children, your other relationships. It's going to kill your finances. And I believe social media has made this Even a whole lot worse. Don't you think anybody that posts a picture of anything they buy should also have to post their debt to income ratio? Wouldn't that change things a little bit? Because nobody ever is honest about like their credit card bill. Like, let me show you my bill and the TV I bought, you know? Like that just, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, we see that stuff and we're like, oh, I want to try and keep up. Man, I want what they have. It looks like that would bring happiness. This is one of the most deceptive sins that people commit. Francis Xavier, the famous Roman Catholic priest and missionary was talking about this. I read this this week and he had heard many confessions in his lifetime and he said this, as an older man, I have listened to thousands of confessions and I have yet to hear one person confess the sin of coveting. He says, it's what I call the stealth sin. It is, it is. It's easy to hide this one. So Jesus gives this stern warning about coveting, and he says it this way in Luke 12, 15. He said, beware. If Jesus says that, you think we should pay attention? Beware. Guard, he says. Guard, protect yourself. Guard against every kind of greed. Now we've got to read this next sentence together. You've got to hear what Jesus said here. This is powerful. So on the count of three, we're going to read the last sentence of this verse together. One, two, three. Life is not measured by how much you own. Man, don't forget that. If you get that, you're going to live different than probably 90, 98% of the culture around us. So how how are we going to take care of this thing that has its way to sneak up and rear its ugly head in our life? How are we going to deal with coveting? So I'm going to give you three cures for coveting real quick. And the first one I'm gonna challenge you with as your goal for this week. And really, ultimately, the goal is to be quiet. But here's what I want you to do. The first cure for coveting is this. Be glad for what others have. Be glad. Be glad when someone shares with you that they just got something that makes them happy. It's okay to be happy with them. Don't compare yourself. Don't wish you had it. Just stop for a second and just say, oh, truly, it makes me happy that you're so happy about that. It's your car is beautiful. Can I drive it? Right? I love your boat. Can I come zip around the lake with you? Why can't we just be happy for people when they get something that brings joy into their life? Just stop next time someone wants to show you something or show you their new outfit or whatever, just hit pause. Don't respond, don't one-up Don't try and keep up with the Joneses. Just enjoy for a moment the happiness that they have for whatever it is that they just got. Look at the joy they have and enjoy it. Man, I'll tell you what, that's a game changer. The scriptures tell us, Romans 12, is be happy with those that are happy. It's good to do. So if there's a way for us to be glad for what others have, I think it's a game changer. Number two, you want to combat Uh, This coveting, this is a cure right here. Here's what we need to do. Number two, be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for what you have. This is one of the reasons why I I love when my kids go on mission trips to uh, areas of the world where they're able to see that not everybody lives like they do. To be able to see a family of six or seven living in a 10 by 10 shanty with a tin roof kind of makes you appreciate what you have back home. To be on Malapasqua where there is no car, that if you have any resource at all, you have a motorbike and you drive around on dirt roads. If you're going to go out on the ocean, you go out on an ocean in a boat that someone made by hand. It's a whole different culture. When you get a chance to help serve in a feeding line, the children that we're helping to feed through our sponsorship program, And you see that for some of those children, the parents come in with tears in their eyes, say, thank you, because my kid wouldn't have eaten today if you guys hadn't done this. And we complain about eating leftovers. Think about it. It's a big deal. It's a matter of perspective. It's like one man said, I cried because I had no shoes until I saw another man who had no feet. See, it's perspective. Last night, I had a great reminder of this. Beth and I uh, went to some friends of ours' house, uh, the Gallows, you guys probably have seen them around here. They're the co-chairs of our capital campaign, Uh, Bud and Kathy. Kathy just had a birthday, and so Bud surprised her, which is amazing, because Kathy's like cat-like agility, knows everything that's going on everywhere all the time. But he surprised her, it was a fun night. And towards the end, they brought the cake out, as you would expect, and we sang happy birthday uh, to Kathy, and the candles were lit. And um, after we sang Happy Birthday, she was just expressing her appreciation for everyone being there, and just the way that God had just worked paths to have people's lives cross that they could have fullness of life because of family and 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 Bud and and Olivia and just her friends and family that were there. It was it was really special. She was very emotional when she was talking about it, and she said, "I just realized that this is like the happiest season of my life. Like I just I'm so grateful." And she got done and. And uh, Bud said, "You need to make a wish." She said, "Oh yeah." And she stopped, and she looked down for a second, and she said something I have never heard in my life. She just—you could tell she was thinking, and it was emotional. And she lifted her head up, and she says, "I wish for nothing." She said, "I'm happy, I'm content, and I'm grateful." And I thought, <laughs> I'm back there like. <laughs> you guys know me, and I'm like, why can't I say that? That was the coolest thing, it'll never sound as good the second time. <laughs> that really has to come from your heart, but why can't we live like that? We're, we're just doggone grateful, because we've been so blessed. We have so much to say thank you for, so be glad for what others have. Now, um, and, and be grateful for what you have. This is powerful. Now, the, the third one, you need to write this down. The third one is this. Be gracious with others who don't have. Guys, this is the anecdote right here. This is game changing. Be gracious with others who don't have. Now, if you're going through a tough time right now, I want you to just write this verse down because this, this one has the, cha- has the potential. It's a principle and a truth that we can stand on. This, is, this will change your life. Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25. The generous will what? Prosper. Prosper. Those, listen, if you're worn out, tired, can't keep up, listen to this. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Oh, All right, here's the problem. You're just not ready. You're not ready. I've told you this before. God spoke to me about this years ago. You will see a need, no doubt, and then you'll talk yourself right out of helping because you're not prepared to help. So instead... On the way home from church, go to the ATM and you get a $100 bill, a $50 bill, a $20 bill. Kids, listen, get a $10 bill and you just make an agreement with God right there and you say, that $100 bill is not mine. God, it's yours. And now I'm ready. That $20, that $10 bill is not mine. God, you speak to me. It's yours. We got a deal. You help me to hear you well. When I see a need, I am now prepared. And you just wait. I promise you it will happen. And because you're ready, God's gonna use you. And it's the anecdote for this coveting thing. All of a sudden, you're on alert differently, paying attention to where there will be needs around you. Jump in, help out. Listen, the generous will prosper. Does that mean you're going to get a hundred dollar back? No. Something will happen right here. That's a, there's no there's no price tag on a prosperous soul. Trust me. It's it, all of a sudden you're not worrying about keeping up and the Joan. You're like that felt so great. Thank you, God that I had a chance to be part of what you wanted to do today just by being prepared and ready. Those who refresh, I promise if you do this, will themselves be refreshed. So how are we going to end this amazing series on this great list? Let's wrap up this series this way. This is part of the foundation that we stand on as a church. There are two passages of scripture. One's called the Great Commandment. And one's called the Great Commission. And we've built our philosophy of ministry and our mission behind that. You know what we talk about? Changed lives, changing lives, right? How do we do that? Focusing in. Intimacy with God. Intentionality with family. And influence on others. One of the passages of scripture that that whole thing has come out of is this one that I want to read to you today. You're likely very familiar with it. But see, the problem is that we have a tendency to overcomplicate. And Jesus simplified So he was one day interacting with a bunch of teachers of the law and they were trying to trick him and they said this, which is the greatest commandment? And and he summarized the 10 in a very powerful way. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Let's pause there for a second. What are the first four dealing with? A relationship with God. So he said, listen, I'm going to summarize and encapsulate this well. The first thing you need to do, don't overcomplicate it. Love God. And then watch what he says here in in verse 39. He says a second is equally important. The other six, what did they deal with? Relationships with others. He says this, love your neighbor as yourself. We overcomplicate it. Listen, love God. All in, love God. And then you treat other people the way you want to be treated and you love them with God's love. And look what Jesus said. Look what he said. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You do that and you'll be good. Love him and love people. In this one amazing statement, Jesus took the revered 10 commandments and boiled them down to two knowing that if we could take care of following two, and it's true, isn't it? The rest of the heart of the Bible would be covered very, very well. So listen, me and you tend to overcomplicate this and I know it's a lot easier said than done but let's keep it simple. Love God and love others. God will be pleased. And out of the overflow of our hearts, not out of a condition for a relationship with him, but out of a confirmation of the relationship we're already in, you see then your behaviors and my behaviors, your thoughts and my thoughts then reflect our relationship with God. So I wanna take communion together today. So that's what we're gonna do. Our ushers are gonna come forward. And they're going to help us distribute the elements. We practice open communion, which means it's not about church membership because we don't even do that. It's about your personal relationship with the Lord. So for those of you that have a a personal relationship with the Lord, grab the communion elements. And will you just hold them for a second? Because this series, it's been a good one. I enjoy talking through uh, these commandments. Um, And, you know, when we talk about the confirmation of the relationship that we already have With God, man, we have to go back to the beginning and we have to reflect today. And see, the thing that becomes the motivation for the different way that we live, listen, look here, guys, it's right here. And that's why we got to be reminded of this, because we've heard it so often that it isn't the motivation that it should be sometimes. So, not a condition of a relationship, but a confirmation, right here, confirmation of this relationship was that he reached towards you and me long before we ever said yes to him. And his body was broken and his blood was shed. Thank God. Because you and I both fall woefully short of his lists, don't we? But he says, listen, hit the brakes. Keep it simple. Love God and love people. And we do that different when we understand how much he loved us. And then we just want to go do it his way. So today... I want you to think about these Ten Commandments. Over the last five weeks, we've talked about having nothing in His place. We've talked about the importance of not worshiping anything but Him. We've talked about not taking the Lord's name in vain. Can I challenge you with a thought there? Don't say, God spoke to me unless He spoke to you, don't misuse His name. Don't use his name to get leverage and watch your mouth. Honor him with the way you talk. The Sabbath, you know, it's an interesting one because in the created order, when he created, he took six days to create, didn't he? And then he taught us something so important. You see, the, creation, the creating wasn't done until he rested. He created rest on purpose. He's like, take a deep breath. And you know what he said? It is good, it is good. This is a great weekend for you to be reminded of that. Slow down. Be grateful. Be grateful for what he's given you. Be grateful for his creation around you. Slow down and give him the honor that he's due. Don't kill. In word or deed, don't kill. Hey, you know what? This whole valley would be different if Plum Creek was known as a church that just champion marriage everywhere. Will you be all in for that? First of all, for your own. If you're not married, being prepared. Should God open the door for that? And then with the friends that you know, just champion marriage. You're all in to help marriage be what God wants it to be by helping others to get there too. And then listen, we don't take stuff that's not ours. And we're gonna live truthful Because the truth sets us free. And then, you know what? Contentment, right? Instead of coveting. We'll be different. Will you bow your head for just a second? Can you thank God for what he's done for you? You hold it in your hand. It's a symbol. His body's broken, his blood was shed. If we live grateful for that, all the rest of this gets way easier. So in your own words, will you just take a second and thank him? Jesus, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for coming after us before we even got close to saying yes to you. Thank you for saying yes to the cross, even knowing that it was going to be brutal. Help us today to just be grateful. Stop trying to impress you or earn your favor. What we hold, God, today reminds us you're crazy about us. You love us so much. Thank you that in spite of our own failures, you made a way for us to be right with you. That you knew we would fall short Lord, thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed, so we can have forgiveness today. Lord, let that sink deep into our hearts and our souls. And though, Lord, the overflow of that, help us to be so in love with you that it will change the way we treat each other. Help us to love God to love others help us to keep it that simple and we know we can't do that on our own so thank you for your promised help will you take the bread and the cup